With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the Memory Clinic at St. Mary's Regional Medical Center. They're open Tuesdays from 8 a.m. till 4 p.m. They're located in Auburn. You can find more from them at stmarysmain.com. The Memory Clinic Providers is an inter- interdisciplinary team. That's a big word, kids. Noreen Flanagan, Susan Kerr, and Elizabeth Richards. Ladies, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for uh, thanks for showing up so early this morning. I appreciate that. I know it's, I know I have a tough time getting out of bed, so I can't imagine it's got to be that much better for anybody else. So let's start off with what's a memory clinic? Well, thanks for having us, Matt. We really appreciate it. Um, a memory clinic. Uh, this is Noreen. I'm the director of geriatric psychiatry for St. Mary's, and uh, and I, I run our memory clinic over there. It's it, it's, it's a medical clinic for folks to bring their family members or doctors to refer their patients when there is a concern of a loved one having maybe, you know, a memory decline or a, an early Alzheimer's or, or even just an existing Alzheimer's process happening. And uh, folks who are 65 and older can come to us and get a thorough evaluation and we can meet with their families and help them out. That's obviously a big deal because obviously... Uh Alzheimer's, dementia, things of that nature are, are big and always, big fears for everyone, you know? that's a, And that's not so much a, a joking matter. Everybody's concerned about that. So as someone who's, you know, you're getting older and all of a sudden you're like, man, where did I put my keys? Or man, where did I do this? Should everything worry you when you start to forget something? Or is it just some stuff like, hey, I'm just still absent-minded. That's how it works. Is there a way to tell a difference? No, you're, you're right. I mean, on the way the, here this morning, I forgot my paperwork and I had to go home and I thought, wow, that's ironic. But <laughs> but you're right. Oh, uh, that's the best, isn't it? Yeah, well, was, was it, uh, I believe it was uh, Susan who said this morning, like, hey, if I'd showed up late, it would have been like, hey, did you remember the appointment? Like, there's millions of memory jokes here. It's unbelievable. You're right. You're right. No, I, I think there is a certain not memory loss in normal aging, but there is that certain inability for us as we get older to multitask. And so if we're not paying attention to what's at, ha- at hand, it'll seem like we've forgotten something. Um, so that would be normal and we can be reassuring. Folks can always come to us and we can reassure them there. But if, if your family is starting to say, hey, you're repeating those uh, stories, mom, and do you remember that you're repeating them? Or, you know, you, you didn't, eat breakfast today or you haven't walked the dog in a day what what's going on you know those those are red flags for family members to bring their loved ones in or for doctors to refer them who makes up the team so your team is here um i'm noreen i'm uh, the doctor on the team i'm a geriatric psychiatrist we have susan Kayer, who's a registered nurse who has a lot of experience in the geriatric population and we have lizzie richards who's a licensed social worker who also has extensive experience. They've worked the gamut from hospitals to nursing homes and really have a sense of what these families and patients go through. What made you decide to go into uh, geriatric psychiatry? Oh, it's so it's it's a wonderful field, Matt. It really is. These these folks over 65, they have such wisdom. They've gone through so much in their life. They're they're resilient. They have so much to offer us and to be able to connect with them and and help them feel better in their aging years is just, it's, it's a wonderful thing to do. 
We are talking with Noreen Flanagan, Dr. Noreen Flanagan, Director of Geriatric Psychiatry at the Memory Clinic at St. Mary's. They're located at 62nd Street in Auburn, 755-3785. You can find them online at stmarysmain.com. She's brought along with her Susan Kerr and Elizabeth Richards as well. We'll have more with them coming up. You're listening to The Breakfast Club, Z1055. Always online, Z1055.com. Bringing you the 80s, 90s, and today. Five, LA's only local radio station. We're joined by Noreen Flanagan, Susan Kayer, and Elizabeth Richards from the Memory Clinic, part of St. Mary's Health Center. For more information, visit stmarysmain.com or you can give them a call at 755-3785. What are the signs of dementia? I know we kind of went over that, but just to kind of give a recap, because that's something a lot of people, if they missed it, want to catch it again, again, as compared to, oh, I just forgot to, you know, I forgot to set the timer on my on my rolls. I forgot to do this as compared to, hey, I've said that story 15 times, you know, something like that. Give the give some folks examples that they can keep an eye out for. Sure. So, some more concrete examples would be that you're noticing difficulty in uh, memory and uh, learning any new tasks. Um, maybe socially, folks aren't how they used to be. They aren't engaging anymore. They might not be talking as much. They might not have words to use for describing things or their feelings anymore. Um, they might have trouble dressing themselves. Certainly driving comes up quite often. You know, they're getting lost in places where they shouldn't be getting lost, where they've been driving for 20 years or more. Um, maybe having trouble taking care of their own hygiene, so they're not showering as much because they, they really don't know how to anymore. Um, and with b- paying bills, family me- members might notice that, you know, gosh, they keep bouncing these checks and they're not, they're, they're not able to calculate their bills anymore, what's going on. That's a that's something I wouldn't have even thought of in terms of that. That makes a lot of sense. How many people have dementia in Maine? So currently, well, what, what we should say is Maine is the oldest state in the country. Yes. Um, in in terms of not that we have the highest number of folks over sixty five, but percentage wise, we have the highest percentage of our population anywhere in the country that that's over 65 so and that's increasing we are getting older and wiser I like to think Um, so currently we have 37,000 folks with Alzheimer's now Alzheimer's is just one part of dementia it's one of the types so there's many many more folks with dementia in the state of Maine and that number is expected to double in the next 15 years so we are looking at what they call a silver tsunami which means just an inflooding of uh, folks who are seniors and thus folks who have Alzheimer's because that comes along with age. Not with everybody, but it comes along with age. Are there different, there are different, there are three different types of dementia? There are more than Four. one different type of dementia? Let's, I know there's <laughs> Alzheimer's, and yeah. There's, but there's also, is there just varying levels? How does that, how do you tell what type of dementia someone has? That's, you know, that's a wonderful question, and I think that's something that most folks don't know or understand, and that's a lot of what we do is educating when they come to the clinic. So the most common type of dementia is Alzheimer's, and that's the one you hear the most about, and you think about memory trouble being, you know, the primary issue with Alzheimer's. Um, but there are, there are many other types. There's four common types. First is Alzheimer's. The second would be vascular dementia. And that's, and that's similar to Alzheimer's, except it tends to arise after somebody's had a stroke um, or some sort of bleed in their brain, some sort of insult to the brain uh, that results in a change in their functioning uh, that looks like dementia. 
Um, very different from Alzheimer's, though. And then there's a type called Lewy body dementia and a type called frontotemporal dementia. And th those are less common. Um, and, and when they come to our clinic, we have a series of tests and brain imaging, and, and we look at the whole picture to help folks figure out which type they have. Uh, because then there's a role for treatment and prevention, depending on what type type they have. What what treatments are available now? I I read something yeah. last week that there's um there's some new study now that they actually found that there's some type of plaque that causes some of this stuff, and they found something that can relieve or get rid of that plaque in mice. So yes. they're getting ready to start that stuff. That that seems like it's very exciting. And it's so I assume exciting. there's other treatments that are probably not being used in mice or actually being used in people. So we can maybe focus on those. But <laughs> Yes. Yes. Uh, we don't advise going out and using the mouse treatments yeah, yet. Yeah. Probably, probably not. No. <laughs> but it, so that's it is exciting. And the reason it's exciting is because a lot of effort and funding and manpower has been put into really fighting this disease. It's, it's a very sad disease for folks who have it, for the family members who, and the caregivers who are caring for them, and there isn't a cure, and that's, and that's what's really hard about it. So it's exciting that there, there's a lot of research out there. We always encourage folks to check in with the Alzheimer's Association and see what clinical trials are around. But you asked me about treatment. And the treatment uh, is twofold. One, there are medications out there. Um, they, they don't reverse dementia, so we have to be clear about that. But the goal is to slow down the, you know, the, the trouble that they're having with their functioning. So to not have it progress so quickly, to maybe allow them to bathe themselves for longer, allow them to be engaged in their home environment for longer. So you, you might hear the medicines. There's four names. You might hear them on the television. Aricept is one of them. Namenda is another. Exelon is another, and galantamine is one that's been around for a long time. And, and we do use those for, um, for dementia itself, but again, it's not a cure. So, so we keep hoping for the cure to come through. That's Noreen Flanagan. She is the director of geriatric psychiatry over at the Memory Clinic, part of St. Mary's Health Partners, St. Mary's Regional Medical Center. For more information, you can visit stmarysmain.com. She's brought along with her Susan Kerr and Elizabeth Richards. We'll hear from all of them coming up. You're listening to The Breakfast Club on Z1055. It is 35 degrees. Hop on over to meet the Easter Bunny at the Auburn Mall. He'll be there for one week. And we are continuing to be joined here by Noreen Flanagan, Susan Kerr, and Elizabeth Richards from the Memory Clinic. The Memory Clinic is located at 62nd Street in Auburn. 755-3785 is the phone number. They're open Tuesdays from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And you can find more from them online at stmarysmain.com. Let's go back to the uh, the treatments, uh, Noreen, and we had mentioned uh, some of them, some other stuff you wanted to follow up on, I believe. Sure. I mean, we had talked about the medication treatments, but like any other disease process, you know, you have to we have to take a bigger picture approach to what's going on with an individual. And medicine isn't always the answer. It's nice to be a cure if, if there is one available, but we don't have that. But in the meantime, we do, we don't, you know, we want to pay attention to the other things that come along with dementia, both for the individual and for their families, because this can take a toll on everybody involved. Um, so we do pay attention. Folks' mood might change. Their personalities might change. We want to make sure if they start to develop any anxiety or depression, you know, that would naturally come along with facing a disease like this, that, that we treat it, that, that we, you know, with medication, with counseling, et cetera. Um, we want to make sure that they're not in any pain because for these folks, it's probably very hard for them to, to communicate that they're in pain or that they're 
they're having discomfort. Um, it can be frustrating for them, and so providing support. Um, they c sometimes folks can develop a paranoia, uh, almost like a psychosis later in the disease process, and we want to pay attention to that because the last thing you want is for somebody to be scared of their family who love them. And the last thing you want is for the family to be to be pushed away by their, their loved one, you know, at a time when they really need them, they need their support and help. Um, and then of course, sleep can be dis, you know, dysregulated during dementia. And we wanna make sure folks get adequate sleep because that's healing for many, many reasons. And these folks are likely to develop infections and you, it's, hard to, it's hard to identify an infection in somebody who can't tell you what's wrong. So we need to pay close attention to that. But we do have Lizzie Richards here, who's our social worker at our clinic. And Who's she does, dying to get on the air? Yeah, by the she way. does a wonderful <laughs> job. So I want her to speak more to this. Yes, um, I do work with folks from the Memory Clinic and provide follow-up care. Uh, folks can come see me for counseling. Um, a lot of times, uh, I am a licensed clinical social worker. Um, a lot of times when we're giving a diagnosis or following up on a diagnosis with a, a person in their family, um, it's, it's very common to have feelings of grief associated with it and just the challenges and trying to be able to accept that and be able to maintain relationships with their family maintain um, activities that are meaningful for them and um, allow them to continue to feel uh, like a worthwhile individual. Um, there are a lot, a lot of choices that have to come up and be made in planning for their future when you're not able to do things the way you've always done them. Uh, so I'm happy to provide that support. Um, certainly families also enjoy coming in at times to try and, and think about the best way to bring up these discussions because they're not easy conversations to have. Um, nobody wants to be the one to say, you know, that someone has to stop um, living where they've always lived or has to stop driving. Um, these are hard conversations um, and they often um, can get passionate very quickly. So it's, it's helpful to be able to work with families and, and try to problem solve. Um, it's a great, those are all great points. Next segment, we're going to talk about appointments, walking through the appointments, how to make one. Also, what the role of a caregiver, spouse, or loved one is, and what resources are available for caregivers. We're talking with Noreen Flanagan, Susan Kerr, and Elizabeth Richards. They're from the Mem Memory Clinic, which is a part of St. Mary's Regional Medical Center. Their office is open from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Tuesdays. They're open at 62nd Street in Auburn, 755-3785. You can find more information from them online at stmarysmain.com. It's 742 and 35 degrees. This is The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club! Director of Geriatric Psychiatry, Noreen Flanagan, Susan Kayer, and Elizabeth Richards are in from the Memory Clinic, part of St. Mary's Regional Medical Center. They're open Tuesdays from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. They're located at 62nd Street in Auburn, 755-3785, or find them online at stmarysmain.com. Walk us through an appointment. What's the process, and how do I make one? How does that whole thing start? Sure. So when folks come to us for an appointment, we ask that they bring a loved one or somebody who knows them well. We don't want them coming on their own, especially if we're going to make a diagnosis of dementia. Uh, we, we want some support for them present. And uh, they expect to be with us for 90 minutes, a full hour and a half, which can be a long appointment, um, but, but is well worthwhile. It's comprehensive. And I think the difference about our clinic is there, there's not a lot of these clinics in the state. There's only a handful, and not everybody is able to offer a full team. And we are blessed that we have this full team at St. Mary's, and so we utilize it. Um, so I'm going to let Sue and Lizzie talk about what they do during, during the clinic because the, the individual does see all of us. So go ahead, Sue. 
Hi, I'm Sue Kerr, and I'm a registered nurse. And um, our folks will meet with me first. And what I do during that appointment is um, I start out explaining what the morning will involve and review with them um, what's been going on at home. Um, for the normal daily activities such as, you know, how are the appetite and nutrition going? Um, are there any risks of falls or have there been any falls? Um, reviewing things like medication and are they able to self-administer the medication? Are they still cooking for themselves at home? Things that give us an idea of what's truly been going on in the home. Um, and one of the things I make sure to point out is that I'm, I'm asking the patient for their feedback, but I'm also looking to family. And, and I, I find it important to say to them, you'll find that I'm looking at you for the information, but I'm also checking in with your family. And it's not because I don't believe you, but oftentimes we may not recognize things about ourselves that family do, does. And so being able to get that well-rounded picture by people who know um, and spend time with them is really helpful for us. Um, the other part of my appointment is actually a week, or not my appointment, but my visit is a week later. I'm calling family because during this appointment, it can be a little overwhelming. Not only maybe you have a new prescription, you've been given a lot of information by the team, but even emotionally. Um, and so being able to call a week later is sometimes when they have more questions. You know, I, I thought I heard her say this, but now I'm not so sure. And, and it's a great chance to clarify. Um, for families, it's a great chance to touch base and say, you know, how are things going? Um, with the patient, you have a new medication, are you having any side effects? And it's a great time to be able to reassure them um, that things are going okay. And next, they visit with our social worker, Liz Richards, and I'm gonna turn it over to her. Thank you, Sue. Um, so again, I'm Elizabeth Richards, a licensed clinical social worker. And when I'm meeting with families, um, I start by just finding a little bit about uh, their social history, what kinds of support they have, what their current living situation is. A lot of times um, by this point, they've already maybe talked to Sue about any uh, wandering concerns that they might have if they're getting lost, um, if there's safety concerns in the home. So we might expand upon that um, and assess for any referrals for extra support, which we'll talk about um, in a few minutes. Um, also, I assess uh, their mood and I do a depression inventory to see if there are any signs of depression. Um, and I also have a lot of fun with uh, some cognitive testing. Um, I do uh, the Montreal Cognitive Assessment. Um, this is not the part of the appointment usually where I make friends, but uh, I'm always impressed by the patients um, that individuals and families have and I really enjoy walking them through that process. Um, so a lot of the referrals that I offer, I work closely with the area agency on aging in Lewiston, it's Seniors Plus. Uh, we call them a lot for extra support for education and, and they also help families if there's a question or a service need, they will find the answer and follow up with them. We also work very closely with the Alzheimer's Association, especially when we're worried about um, people who wander or get lost in the community, they can help with a safe return program. Um, so, and Sue and I have also uh, worked with the police department too to be able to do a wandering alert so that the local police department is aware of that. So that's a really good point, a really good, uh, really good thing that's needed many times. You see that every couple of months now. It's not just an Amber Alert because we've got a missing child. Sometimes we've got, you know, a missing senior and for reasons just like that, they've gotten lost or discombobulated and they're out wandering around. Now, what's the role of a caregiver spouse or loved one in, in these situations and what resources are available for them? 
So that's a, a great question. Um, Sue and I work very closely together on this. Um, so a lot of times uh, we want to make sure we arm them with information. Um, so the first thing that we're wanting them to do is support them with this appointment and come in and ask questions. Um, make sure there's a plan in place for a healthcare decision maker. Um, so we talk about advanced directives, healthcare power of attorney, um, but it's also very challenging to balance the, the need for services for your loved one as well as taking care of yourself. Um, and so again, we're aware of both things at our clinic um, and we wanna make sure that they're both happening. Um, so when Sue does her follow-up call, a lot of times she's also trying to make sure that maybe the referrals we started are happening, um, but how, you know, how are these caregiving needs being met? Sometimes we'll discover there is an um, issue going on in the home that they're kind of challenged with. You know, how do I, how do I get my father to eat a more balanced meal? Um, he he simply wants to drink soda all day long, and how do I handle that? Or um, my my wife insists on taking her own medication, yet I'm not sure she's taking it well. And how can I get that to happen more safely? And being able to problem solve with them. It's a really good. Uh, that's a great point. Again, something else that nobody would even think of in terms of diet or anything like that so mm. it's some great points today and uh thanks for sharing them with us ladies it was impressive thank you um again thank tuesdays you. from 8 a.m till 4 p.m is when you guys are open and you're located at 62nd street in auburn for more information 755-3785 or to make an appointment you can also visit them online at stmarysmain.com noreen flanagan susan Kayer, and elizabeth richards thank you very much the three of you i appreciate it thank you for having us We'll have thank Sheriff, you. you're welcome. We'll have Sheriff Sampson next hour. You're listening to The Breakfast Club, Z1055, 757, 3636 degrees. The Breakfast Club! With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.